Okay, Cyril, thanks a million for joining us today. It's great to have you. Um, so three All-Irelands to your names and numerous other uh, accolades in terms of uh, coaching Hurling with Galway. But uh, I suppose, uh, what exactly, how did you get into coaching? How did you get landed with it? So a lot of people listening might be thinking that they were uh, that, that they started off at nursery level and then ended up. But uh, how did you end up at the, with the big job in Galway? Well, I suppose we did start at... Um in the mid-70s, say, uh, going to college in Galway in UCG and uh, became captain of the, of the Fitzgibbon team there for one year. And as captain that time, you'd be doing the coaching and training. You'd do a lot of the work behind the scenes and it kind of developed from there. And um, in 1973, I was asked to coach a minor team uh, in Galway, beating a pint in the All-Ireland final by Kilkenny. And went on from there, really, then I was, you know, working and that. And in 78, I was asked to get to take an under-21 team. And mainly a summer campaign, really. We actually won that. So, kind of stem from college, really, because I we became very involved. And in college, I could have a lot of different players from all different counties. You begin to realize like, that while they're all very good, uh, a guy from Galway was just as good as well. They, they just believed in themselves, really. That started really in college, I would say. Okay, that's interesting. That So, you were captain, you get the honor of being captain of the team, but you also get landed with doing all the work and, and all the training. Well, yeah, at that time, now, like, you didn't have the backup that they have now, but like, when you became, say, a manager or coach, that you did a whole lot, you did the training, the coach, and the whole lot, and you're like, okay, that, that's everything, they kind of organized and all things. So it was kind of a ground level. But the big thing was that you realize, like, the guys, say, from Kilkenny and Cork, while they were good, they were no different to a fellow from Galway. Only, only, the one thing is that they were used to win it. They believed they were going to win. Whereas we'd be more, Galway would be more this open here. Okay, okay. And so, you see, seeing that early on then and, and then how did you try and maybe bring that into your work with the Galway team so you said you were with a minor team first of all and I know you were with 21s as well as the senior so how did you try and bring that into the Galway setup? Yeah well, well like uh, 73 we beat the point in All-Ireland in a minor and 78 we won the under 21 All-Ireland 79 over the under 21 we were beaten in All-Ireland so in 79 I was actually training the team but I wasn't over the team, and the 80 was asked to take them over. Now, of course, I was in Dublin at the time, and should not really think, and sure, I was delighted to get the senior team, but they could never go on to travel, because that time, Stephen, it isn't like now, there's no highways that time, you come down through Kinnegad, and, you know, all these small towns, and you'd be stopped for ages and more, but, like, you took it over, and so you were mad to drive on. And I suppose the big thing was, in, in, in that time, was to change the mindset. And we trained very hard. Uh, we looked on out, maybe, as, as, as far as we did, We'd often do blocks of three weeks, uh, continuous training, like three weeks and take two together for a good while, always playing well but never winning. And the big thing was to change the mindset that was we had the right to win as much as anyone else. That was the big thing that that, that team in nineteen eighty. Okay, okay. So you you were trying to focus on a uh, uh, changing mindset. You were also training hard and sort of goes with the territory, I suppose. But is there anything you tried to do in particular, Cyril, to change that mindset? Um, um, what I mean is, uh. I, I totally understand that you're trying to change the focus of the lads and, and, and get them to believe that they could win. But is this a thing that you just decided actively to do or was it something that happened over time? The big thing was to make them, I, I, I convinced them that they were going to be the fittest team in the country. They trained very hard. I made them believe that they were good enough to win. You know what I mean? And uh, like the, the training would, would have been very hard. We looked after them as, as well as we could at the time. And like compared to now, like uh, the, there was no thing as a diet that time. Our big thing, we'd have a choice of say, fish or chicken or steak, you eat as much as you could after training. Like if, if it was a nice match in training, you'd be able to eat very well. If it was a hard training session, you might be able to eat at all. But that's 
the way it was at, at the time, like you know, but uh, with a very big following and going far forward and they were meant to win because they had to win all our society to retreat. But I suppose the main thing was to change the mindset really that was, you know, that believe in ourselves and when you do get fit, I suppose really, really fit, fellas didn't realise how good it could be and they they, they they grew and grew as the year went on to start growing and growing and really kind of improved it for Okay, so you 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 got them the physically fit first, and the body then would lead the mind into saying, "Well, actually, we can do this, and we can we can start go, going at these Kilkennys and the Corks." Yeah, we met we met in say '79 in the end of October, November, and we had a meeting, a team meeting, and that time it was very simple in a, in, a, in a dressing room. I chaired a meeting myself, and we made each fella talk, and I said, "Like things will be different if you can't if you can't train, if you're not able to do the training, you won't be playing, regardless of who you are." I remember the first day we really did any hard session was the 6th of January. That time, that was a holy day. We trained in a place called Karen Moore. We played UCG in a challenge game. After the game, we did the hard training session. Pretty stuff, muck, everything else flying around the place. And when I brought me into the showers, I the groundsman told me I didn't want any hot showers. It was cold showers, you know. So they weren't used to that. And there was no tear any after. Of course, we were roaring. There was that ball, the effort granted. There's not even hot water. We were trying to break them down as much as I could and build them up the way, the way I wanted them to, you know, to build up physically and mentally make it harder. They, they, they took it on the chin, they knew how, they kind of half knew what was coming. They considered mad now, I suppose, but like, uh, they really trained hard and then we got, we kind of got into a groove that we couldn't be beaten at all. Okay, so I'm going to have to uh, uh, ask you about this one on the cold showers, uh, Cyril. There'll be, there'll be uh, under 12 and 13 coaches around the country now uh, throwing their teams into cold showers hoping to win. But th- so that was, um, obviously that was a, a bit out there at the time. Did you get much resistance to that, Cyril? As in, were players, did well, they, you get yeah, players well, they, leaving and they stuff? They didn't, they didn't know, you see, Steve, the thing is they didn't know it was coming, you know what I mean? But they just they said this time, like I, they, some of these players was, were, were as old as I was, you know, there was very little difference in the thing. And we used to play, train the place called Fatty's Field. It belonged to UCG, kind of a complex of maybe 20 acres of that. And, you know, like some, some of the sessions in there were very, very hard. And we even have a legend to go out and he said, you're going to kill them. You know, and I said, yeah. But I said, they're going to live on again. Don't worry about, you know what I mean? That This is part of it. So like, you know, it was, it was kind of crude in the sense that the pain of their collar to come through a training session and to go on again. Like, and they just got used to doing it. Like, so they kind of built, no, look, they were fixed, they were strong, they were physically men. And then, Cyril, did you guys see the results then? Did they come straight away? Did it take time? Did it, was it a, was it a slow process or did you see the results? Did they, did they start to manifest on the pitch fairly soon? No, it took a bit of time because I was trying to blend in. I had, I had an under-21 team, a very good team in 78, 79. I was trying to blend in and let Stephen into the senior set up with all the fellas. The Hondies were there a good while. So, like, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, I think we played Limerick one the league games early, say, February or March. And they up in Limerick and were beaten out the gate. And we actually won't go up and down Ireland and finally again them back here and beat them. So, it took a bit of time to get together. But we had a plan. Like, we kind of knew what we wanted, you know, and... Uh, and we knew, like, that, you know, even if we were beaten, there was, there was going to be no one throwing us out after year to year. We wanted to get time to build the team, like, to read, kind of, jubilate the team or build the team, like, you know. So the team was kind of there, but we put a lot of the under 20 runs into it. Okay. And what was that process like, Cyril, in terms of trying to get these guys to make that massive step up to, to senior inter county after under 21? And again, are you getting resistance from those older guys in the panel that that, that are uh, resistant to the younger guys coming in and, and perhaps that perception that they're taking over? Well, you know, they were young coming in, but like the big thing was, even, I suppose, in a sense, uh, none of them were going to see in All-Ireland. Okay, the younger lads hadn't had one under 21. We hadn't a minor one at that time either. But the thing was, like, the seniors hadn't won. 
So we're all on the same level. So like I was saying, look, that's the lads were here before. They all did well over you, but they didn't win. The only difference all we convinced them that we were going to win. That would be the difference. If you work to the, at the end of the day, but you have to kind of go through this process. But the body, we didn't use the word process that we just kind of kind of a simple game plan. But like there are all the terms being used now, but that's what we actually kind of build in the young. When I say young, they're 21, 22, with the with the senior guys who were there for a long time. And uh, some of them made it, some of them didn't, but like they bought into it. And I suppose it was easy for me in the sense that they hadn't won the senior all Ireland because if they did, they wouldn't tell you how to do it. These guys, you know, they wouldn't tell you how to do it because they didn't have it done. So we're all on the same, we're all on the same level. At least we're all singing up the same hymn sheet. Yeah, and so you talked there about wanting to implement a simple game plan. So can you tell us what that game plan was? Uh, and maybe I'd be interested then, how did that reflect how you were training? So you wanted to be the fittest team, but was that because of the style of hurling that you wanted to play? Yeah, I would be very direct, one pass and then shift it. We had a very good forward line, when we, a full forward line when we got ready. had a new guy called Bernie Ford, came from the 21 team. Another guy in between, No Lane, a very good hurler, and had John Connolly, who would be kind of the, you know, the kingpin of the team. So he was a leader, you know, for, for many years there. So I suppose 14, 15, or 16 years there at the time. And like at that time when I came, John had been at B, but I had my head like that. We had Jungle Lads from Bead, and I eventually kind of coaxed him into full forward. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be his favourite position. But by having him in there with the two kind of snipers each side, eventually had a very lethal full forward line. And if you got the ball in fast, it would want to be pressure. On the full back and in there. So what was done then was in, in, in training and autumn says everything was being shifted in fast, shifted in fast, half back line, straight ball in, no messing around with it. Like and like the half back line was good. We had um the Nicky Clark started off, you know, he got horses and he went on. Sean Silk was for the Willis in the back of the time. And Joe McDonough was there, he got sick as he went on and simply the man came in. These guys were, were good hurlers and like, you know, Central Feet had like Steve Nahan coming from the under 21 team, Michael Connolly was established. So all of a sudden, we had a very strong half-back line midfield. That was a launch plan. They took the pressure on the full-back line, but the thing was direct ball and kind of cross-field ball into the full-forward line. So just our half-forward line were there really to supply that ball in as well from the half you know, from midfield in fast, getting after it all right, but most of the time inside, the boys would turn and take their scores, which was on, if not laid back. So like it, it worked fairly well, the system was very simple, but we had very... We had great players inside in that football. And Cyril, do you mind me? Do you mind me asking how did you come up with the system? As in, was this just always the 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 way you wanted the game to be played, or was this something that you look at the players you had? Did you look at other teams that were successful at the time and say, okay, this is how we're going to address this, or this is how we're going to to go after it? Well, I say, Stephen, the thing was that it kind of suited our team. You know what I mean? Like uh, the three boys inside were, were lethal inside it. No Lane and Bernie Ford were great corner forwards. And John would have a big reputation with him. He, he'd kind of draw in the other two, the two cornerbacks. They nearly three marked in, which kind of gives gives, gives other space inside. Like, and uh, like it was very simple, which was very effective. Like in the half forward line, like the Limerick halfback when we played in the final were good. But all of us at them was shift the ball in, shift it in the test. Even 10 yards inside the man would do, just get onto it again. But the thing was moving in the whole time. Oh, it didn't work the whole time, but it was fairly effective because like we did have three very top, three very good top players inside. It made it easier inside like the backs. If it, were, if it was room to strike, we're letting it go. But Stephen, if it wasn't room to strike, one little hand pass and then shift it. It's kind of fast hurling. Now, like if you look at the game, it's all possession. You know, like now we the Asians team, we, we played a different type of game, but they were different type of hurlers. These guys were strong and physical. They didn't need any gym work. These were these guys were strong <laughs> from work. 
you know what I mean? They weren't, you know, not, you know, they wouldn't be like my, they hadn't an easy time like myself. These guys are used to working hard, so you could kind of play that kind of game. Okay, and so then in your training sessions, then, sir, like you mentioned, you were drilling everything to be around that fast, long strike or shipping it off to the person in a better position to get that strike off. Is that how everything revolved around that plan? Yeah, and the, the training sessions, the matches in training were, were, were actually brilliant. Like we had a good panel, you know, you set up the two teams yourself. And so much so, Stephen, at that time, we never locked the gate. The, the boys in that right, to be this part of a thousand people there when, when they'd know the game, they'd ask coming up the hill after training, when is the next match on in training? Because you used to love the matches. So, okay, the training was, you know, it was kind of different, but the matches were, were, were flat out and it was hectic in the matches. And the guys knew, like, we had no campaign. That time, Stephen, you were playing all Ireland B winners. Now, you'd expect to beat them, but the simple was up to you. Then you were playing the Leinster amongst winners. If you were beaten, you were gone for the year. There's no kind of, there was no second yeah. chance, like, oh, no round robin, which would be lovely. So you had to have it right coming from the training pitch as much as you could. So the matches were, were on the edge. And so, Cyril, then, just on that point, then, were you, like, it was your whole season like an upward sort of curve in terms of you're trying to peak right for that All-Ireland semi-final type thing where you're going to have your first, I suppose, massively competitive game that you're coming for the year in that old system? That's dead on, Stephen. That was it. That, that you had to have it perfect right. And if you pick the fella, say, from the training that and you pick to say, wink forward and you're not going well, you nearly had to give him the half hour because... You know, just take them off. It meant that you were completely wrong. Maybe he just had to kind of maybe switch them because maybe things just weren't going right. But you were putting your faith in the training sessions. Therefore, like, you know, we'd have a team doctor that visited all that. But we didn't need a doctor the nights we were training. We needed the doctor. He had to be on duty the nights we had the matches. Because, like, uh, that time you got to do stitches, Stephen, you didn't come off. You got stitched and you hit up on. You know, it might, might be sounds harsh now, but. That's the way it was like, you know, that, that you didn't, you know, it was a little helmet, it's not the same cover, there's no, it's not less, but it's no helmet. So the, tra- the matches and training were planned out. Yeah, and so the doctor was nearly par- an integral part of your backroom team and letting you know how bad a knock oh, yeah. was or whatever. Well, you see, the thing is like, uh, if, 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 you know, if you need stitches, you're fed, you've got the stitches, but you're fed on. You need them for that sort of thing. Like, they, were, they were very important because, like, uh, you need them because that's what you weren't going soft. Like, this was fed at match level because it had to be fed at that pitch because you're going to play, you play the Munster winners, let's say, Cork or whoever it was going to be, or Baker, Kenny, or the Leicester winners, you know, or Tip, wherever it is. They're after winning their title and they're, they have their, their little weaknesses solved when you're going in, you know, from training pitch, really. Yeah, yeah. And, it, it's it's interesting. I sw- we're so used to the newer model and the, the new way that in terms of the, the, the round robin or the group games or the back doors or whatever that may be. Um, I'm interested in the fact that you're peaking for that one game, but you're having to keep a panel maybe of 30 odd happy in terms of having your internal games and good training sessions, etc. Was that a big challenge to manage those guys who are maybe not making the not making the team or not making the, the match day 24 or 26 or whatever it may be? Yeah, well, the thing was, oh, they might be on the program. But I, I, Stephen, I would have see. They all knew that that the, that the team was going to be picked on the form in the training. So, therefore, it was set out. We're happy enough. They gave it all. Like, and with, with, with changes as it went on, you were going to get injuries. You didn't get injuries in training. Within the matches, you got trips. For example, Eddie Clark would be a big loss. Like, he got knocked out, so he was gone. So, someone had to come in to take his place. So, that, there was always something that was going to happen like that. And that's what did happen, you know. So, like, you need, you, we needed everyone because we'd have to have the 215s. And 30 wouldn't be enough, Stephen, in training because there'd be always a few knocks. So, you had to carry 33 or 4 to have your 215s ready for the, for the matches. 
Yeah, and and so so the way you kept all the, that that number sixteen to thirty three or thirty four uh, happy and content and driving on was if you're playing well and training, you get picked, and that's how we go. That's yeah. how your whole philosophy was based around. Well, that yeah, that, yeah, because you had to, you had to kind of, you know, and if you couldn't do the training, you weren't going to be picked. Simple as that. That was the first rule coming in because the training would have been pretty, you know, hectic and very severe. It was geared that way. Okay, we ease it off. We're not up to the pitch for once. But like, you had to kind of peak. Not for the All Ireland B winners, we're going to be like, you should win it, even though they caused a lot of trouble. They won four or five matches. But the other match, you had to peak for. You had a few weeks off, you know, from the, that to the final. But if you didn't, if you got beat the point, like you were gone for the following year. Long year round, and it's a pain to tell you what you did wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you prefer the new system, uh, Cyril? Oh, I love Stephen. I would love, I would love to have the new system. God Almighty, like you get, I look the wrong, you get a few matches. That would have suited us lovely because, like, you'd, you'd nearly qualify. You know what I mean? You'd feel you qualified all the time. The list of you know, like the Cyril. I think it's great. Like that time, you're training, say, you know, hard for a few months anyway, and and one game, and you're gone. Oh, like it's fantastic. You love games, like you would improve, and lads have come on a ton from the matches. Okay, so uh, you were you were involved with Galway over three different stints, and you're also um, you, you're you're still heavily involved in, in hurling, and and, and we're, we're all familiar with you watching uh, hurling on Sunday game and stuff like that. If you were, um, if you could take a few things back to your time now if you if you knew now if you knew then what you know now is there anything in particular that you'd, you'd you'd bring back into your your time over Galway well I suppose like you know now now Stephen Wits has gone if you have a top goalie which you have to have anyway tight backs don't give any of the weights off and a free taker that the score from say midfield everything in and just need to talk about points if you never gave because it's gone very very technical now in the sense like it's gone very strict compared to our time and like a good free taker now will hold you like you, you need a top free taker to be say nine out of ten or, or ten out of eleven every day. So like the thing is if you had a transfer, you'd love to have a kind of a, a lad that's going to be nailing the freeze every time you can close your eyes and he's going to come over. That's that's the big thing. I suppose uh you know what it's changed what's even like it's unreal. Like when I when I think of what we used to eat after the training and we had a routine on Saturday morning training train, we train at half eight and uh Train to be over on 10. Everyone had to go for breakfast. That was part of the rule. Everyone had to go for breakfast to part of the training. Yeah, most lads had a, had, a, had a big pride. And uh, go off and play, go walk and play a bit of golf after some sun twice to start to take out. Now, like, that can be ground on. And definitely, like, you know, the steaks and the chips and the pints of milk and the, the plum milks and the coke and all that going out. That'd be, you know, it could be taboo. Now, I see the fellas now. Like, you know, they're, they're, as I call them, drinking the, the jungle juices all the time. And, you know, like they're, they're looking very well and they're in the gym and the biceps look lovely like that. But that's that's the way it is, like, you know. But, you know, they're just times have changed. If I'm saying, oh, he wouldn't be with us. I'm saying, yeah, that's true. But if we, if we had to, like, you know, you don't know. There's different type of hurling because in our time, you could take a fella out, like, now, like, you can't touch it. And that's, that, that's all for the better of the game because it's better for forwards anyway. Like, in our time, like, forwards have a tough. You were there to be. Kind of map tight and feel air on and off the ball, whereas now, like, it's all it's all about they know which is great. Yeah, and in, in your various different stints uh, involved with Galway, would you have changed much over that time, Cyril, or would you have gone for the tried and tested, or were you always trying to push uh, your own, I suppose, in terms of the coaching and the training sessions, but even even uh, in the style of play? 
Oh, yeah, we changed the style of play. Yeah, so the players would have, Stephen, you'd, you'd, kind of, you'd, you'd evolve as you go along. Like in the mid 80s team with a lot of ball carries, and we had a little kind of a little team perfect, a little hand pass, you know, let a break attack, we'll draw, the, draw the man, give a hand pass, and what next that would say, we moved out of hold, even in training. As we look around, say, gee, this is that, this guy is holding without the ball, holding at all. Like just walk the hand passes with the hand, with the ball in your hand, and walk it into the net. Now, after a while, the J. Brahim knew that you couldn't score the hand pass, but we had that kind of in our own way perfected and the lads loved it because it would, if you got to beat one tackle that meant you could walk the ball up the hole into the pitch just walk it once you had a head just walk it without any horror but now you know a lot of are doing that now like in the sense that they're all holding possession sharp work out walk it up and that's why you have so many how do you call it looks or shimals as I was seeing in the sense that when it breaks down there was on top of the ball whereas our time especially in the early 80s team if you got the ball, you shifted. So therefore, it either broke down, it's gone again on the ground, and that quick, whereas now there's no one quicker on the ground at all. That's the big change, really. Yeah, and Cyril, would you, like, I know you guys would have brought in a, maybe like a like a third midfielder type of thing at stages as well. And was that the type of thing that was was very different at the time? Yeah, to, to be considered, look, to be considered, you put the wrong thing to do, where, where are the players like with the Walkers was great, and the fade against with the Cork was in the final, were beaten, and we said it was all there. But the big thing I did wrong that day was to change it at trying to should have kept where it was because we're still in the game. But like, yeah, to be considered like that time, you know, Kilkenny were very strong, we're playing them in Torres, we played them in the league final, and they gave us a chance in every way. So we like we had a lot of pace. So what we did was we played three midfielders throughout the half hours as well, they two on the inside. But the thing was, like, the lads on the outside were carrying the ball through, working the hand pass. So when you were, you were either kind of hand passing to net or when you were taking the shot at the goal, you see, you were right beside them, you know, because it's hard enough to Kenny, it's hard to beat them anyway. But that day it worked with, yeah, that, that would be new at the time. Whereas now, as it was, you have the famous sweeper, some lads don't like to call it that, but like an extra defender, like sweeping in behind the half back. Like, but like, there's a lot more to the sweeper. You see, I don't know, having, having kind of two different less change. Most of the time, like it's very hard to score goals that way. Score points, all right. But you have Limerick now, like the kind of a new style of playing in triangles. I saw them the first night they played with 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 the John Kiley and Kinnear over them. I think it was a game against uh, was a player in a, in a kind of a water crystal thing. And if they were trying this, they you know, kind of shot hook out twenty yard passes to take one pass walk next one to break down a few hundred at the match until roaring and shouting like this. You know where they go. But like they kept at it, and they've developed it now to. To a serious degree, that they're to walk the ball into positions, into space, and shoot from outside. They don't get many goals, they don't look for the goals, but like they have developed and stuff to stop for another team now to come along and kind of to, to rock them off their, their pedestal, really, and to stop, to stop their stick passing. And it's more the handiest way to stop it is, is to stop the first pass. Their first pass from the goalie goes to the wing back or cornerback. And if they get that pass, if he gets the next pass right, you, they can walk it. But if the next pass is half wrong, they're in trouble. So they, that's what we have to work on. So you know that's that's what teams have to start doing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like like there's you being um told you're doing the wrong thing for having like a, an extra person out in midfield, and that became such a commonplace thing then throughout like nineties or t- or the noughties, and now it's it's evolved again into your sweepers or your your short passing. I think the game just the, the the evolution these things are going to happen. Um, I'm interested in um you managed at minor at twenty one and at senior level. Would you have changed your approach for dealing with the different age groups, Cyril, or would you try to sort of kept the same principles, but just maybe change the way that you might communicate or stuff like that? 
Well, I suppose being a teacher, like you'd be kind of used to communicating, which is probably an advantage. Like, you know, in 83, it was asking to coach a minor team. You know, we never had won a minor title before. We were in a lot and just couldn't win it. And, uh, you know, good bunch of lads, like getting to work. But again, I suppose, like, you'd, you'd up and, I'd be a big believer in, in getting lads fit. Well, you must be able to see, but that time you in, you do the coaching and training. You, you know what I mean? There wouldn't be any, you wouldn't be giving the coaching or training or anyone else. I never would. I, I, I do it my way, which might be considered wrong, but like when the boys are by into it, it's still very hard to beat. That that 83 team that won the minor, and I had the one under 21 in 86, I was still involved. And as it happened, I was involved in with the seniors, and a lot of them, like I knew them very well, and brought them through. Like, and so you get to the big team is to get to know players. I often say, like, a good manager, Stephen, should be a good psychologist because you should know every player inside out. Bringing in a psychologist from outside to me. Doesn't make sense because, like, he or she might be very good at psychologists, but you're going to find they're talking to twin, they're talking to about 20 players, and all these players are at different levels and at different, you know, come from different backgrounds. They all need to be treated differently. So that's that's what you have to do, I think, as a manager. Good manager, be kind of a good psychologist in his own way and get inside their heads and make them the thing is make them believe. And if, if you believe in yourself and are confident, it's very hard to be because I call it a very simple game when you, when you break it down. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, like you're talking about being a psychologist, and you're half joking, but at the same time, you're dead right because if you can, you have to be able to deal with them as people, and if you can deal with them as people, yeah. and then you've got connection, I think it's easier to ask them to go that extra mile or whatever it may be for you. Oh yeah, like yeah, even even for fellas like outside the hall, you know, don't come get them feel good about themselves, make them feel like if I'd always say, look, if you want to be something, you can become it. Whatever you want, you can become if you believe in yourself and work at it. Could be the honest work in it. That getting the same in life, like if you had in life, and tell us I had, they all got on, I was like, they all got on well because they kind of they bought into it, like, you know, they might think first, where is this fellow coming from? But like, uh, you start thinking about it, if you, if you ever put in the work that you put into a game, into your business life, or whatever you're going to become yourself professional life, you, you'll be a success. You know, once, once within reason that you're not trying to knock down something, like once that you're working well, all these boys did it that way, like in the minor team. Gas bunch of lads, like you know, she like you know, young lads now of 17 or 18. Yeah, okay, the thing is, Stephen, like, uh, young lads don't change, like, the, 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 the jumper might change and the times might change, but young lads are still young lads and they're mad for action, like, you know. And I remember, like, you know, some nice training for them now, you used to have a pint of milk and, and a sandwich after training. So I got a change, we down to a chipper, I did a deal with a chipper lad, and used to have chicken and chips and burger and chips, which was the same as the truth. That turned into the same like if you're going to heaven. You know what I mean? This sort of thing. So, you know, you could when you give them things that could that, that kind of give you more, you'll be looking for more and more. Save the senior team, set up a supporters club and kind of look after them as best in our own way, look after them as best they could. But they wouldn't be used to much, you see. So like they were they were responding because that time that time the handouts weren't as big as, as they are now. Like so therefore the, the like they, they felt good about themselves. And that's the thing you have to do with it, to make them feel, you know, even the likes of the buses. Get the, you know, at that time, getting kind of, you know, the buses just step up on and kind of looking down but rather than a little low type of get Like, you know, get the blazers, the time. Get, might sound simple, but to make them feel good. And if they feel good, they'll play better. And they'll, they'll want to be part of the, of the setup. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. And just, just that's t- or f- the third or fourth thing that you said, which sort of speaks to the level of detail that you, you had in maybe your preparation. It, was planning a huge part of it for you, Cyril, when you were over those teams? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially like in the mid-80s when you get more used to like manager. I remember 
Bernie O'Connor was stuck with me and Phelan Murphy. We'd meet every end of September, October, down in Phelan Murphy's house, still alive, and his wife's still alive, and even his mother was alive that time. And we'd kind of chow the year. We'd, we'd, we'd drink tea and eat all night, and even the granny, his mother would tap on the seat and say, what time are you going home? It'd be half three or four. We'd go through what we wanted the following year, and we'd kind of talk of where we're kind of strong or weak and what we're looking for. And we'd have a kind of a dossier. We'd, we'd cover all the... I'd get the fellas to cover the venue, Stephen, rather than the matches, say, club matches in Galway, you could have a senior team playing, or I'd get them to cover the venues where you might have a junior team playing. We'd cover all the kind of adult matches and try to see what would need to come through and kind of get fellas from maybe clubs that people might expect, say, you know, I remember when I got him, Michael Coleman, kind of from, his brother was a great footballer for Galway, Matty Coleman, and kind of coming from a football-orientated area at that time, you know, and the same. People up always say, gee, how, how is he going to ordinance? Because he could be the best we ever had. You know, just you can get a fella outside the box or a fella that might have made it underage, like, you know, they, they can make a team for you, you know. And it's about getting the fellas to, to do a job for you and that, that they'll do what you want them to do. In other words, like that they'll buy into the way you want them to play. That's a big thing in the team. It might sound crazy, but sometimes the best 15 may not make the best team. You need a balance on the team, you know. So that's, you need, that's what you'll be looking for at all. Yeah, and, and just on that planet, Cyril, so you're sitting there, you plan out the whole year, you, you've drank all the tea, the biscuits are gone. How does that then look the following year when you're when you're planning out like your sessions and stuff like that? Are you constantly referring back to that sort of dossier of, of this is what we're planning to do or this is what we're hoping to d- try to do and this is the training session, let's say, that will help us achieve it? Yeah, definitely, Stephen. Like we lost in Ireland in 85 and again in 86. I remember taking over the team in 84, in the 84, 85, they were hammered in 84. There was no one for the job, really. And I was saying to the board, I was asking, I said, look, it's going to take three years to build a team. If anyone else wants the team, we can have, like, there was no takers, there was no queue, there was no, there was no one else looking for it. So we got, we actually got to an All-Ireland in 85, maybe ahead of our time, got beaten. Beaten again in 86, now we went back in 87, again, to try to win. So this is, and they're saying, if you're God, if we're beaten three in a row. But to get in there was a thing, but like, You'd be trying to strengthen the team the whole lot. We lost every final, Stephen, in 86. We lost the league final, the All-Ireland final, Connacht, the guys of Galway, Connacht, and Aroctus, four finals. But the common denominator was we were in every final. We were beaten by a different team every final. So in 87, we won every final. The four we lost, we actually won. And if you said to me, what do we do different? It would be very hard to pinpoint it. Maybe we train a bit smarter. That's what you know what I mean. But again, we would meet in Phelan Murphy's house and try to get, which was kind of a big thing, which we weren't doing the two years before. And when you win, of course, it's over the moon. But like if you lost three in a row, you'd probably feel like shooting yourself. Like, you know, but again, you have to drive on. But you won't be trying to learn every year and be lads coming through. And the big thing is that you could avoid injuries and to get the, usually if you had the top turkey one or two in Stephen, the team would nearly pick itself, you know, and they'd have the two or three subs that would come on and change, hopefully change the game. Yeah, no, I just, I think it's interesting because, um, you hear people talking about planning and preparation an awful lot in now in the modern game, but it's interesting to hear that you're doing that like uh, thirty years ago in terms of your the preparation that you were putting into the to those uh, Galway teams. Um, so we ask uh, everyone that we have on um, three questions before we finish up. So uh, we're nearly there. Um, so thanks very much for your time so far. But first one, I- first one is um, what does the term successful coach mean to you? Well, you see, it depends on what team you're taking over. Like, when I took over Galway, to be a success in Galway, they wanted to win all Ireland. And I remember in 1980, after winning, I met an old man in Galway, and he said, I'd die happy 
if we win all Ireland. And we did win. It happened to meet him at Christmas night, and he said to me, He's dead now, Lord. He said to me, No, he said, You have to win another one now, you know. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it changes. But, like, but if you're taking over a team, say, successfully get out from Division 2 to Division 1, taking over a team at very low level, it could be just improving the whole lot of standards. If you're taking over a club, that might be to get the ball played the one way or buy into a system. It depends on, on where you're coming from. But definitely, if you get fellas to enjoy the game, you know, that their that skill will improve. And you kind of improve them for. You know that that they're better people. That's a lot to do with well, kind of it might sound crazy, but even the holistic approach, like it's still a be If you want good people pay, playing for you, you're going to have a better team. You want them kind of on the same kind of on on, on the same kind of say him sheet really. So really, to me, like success would be where you're coming from and how you have improved them for the year. And it might not actually mean winning at all. You know, like if if you took over, say uh, say Louth in Hurl. In the morning, you and I, Stephen, went in and say, Niall goes in with us, but they go for love. Like, with all due respect to love and Horning, you're not like it's very hard to win, to win an All Ireland final. Yes, you know, maybe at their level, I'm just saying to you, but if you improve them, that would be success. Yeah, no, I totally I understand. And uh, if, if the three of us were in there now, uh, Cyril, we'd have to, Niall would have the two of us carrying the water bottles before we knew us, you know, so we'd have to be careful. <laughs> Um, the next question that we normally ask is um, the, the, the best book or resource that you'd recommend for a coach. But I suppose I might want to change that one a small bit, Cyril, and say the best resource that maybe that you wish you had when you were a coach uh, uh, back then with those teams. You know, about resource, what I used to get, I would look at different sports, all right? And uh, we had a lad in school in Lockray teaching with Owen Hostey, Dr. Weston, he played now, and he was very big into rugby. And the All Blacks were in tour in Galway, and they were actually training the Corinthians ground in Galway. And I asked Owen, would you arrange for the wits? Now, they were fit, but they were actually, the first 15 were playing against no one, against the shadow team. And they had young lads all around the pitch with rugby on numbers. They were lying out, scrum, the whole thing, and they were hitting. Opposition, but they were all hitting space. In other words, like on the call, instead of hitting the man, they would they would let the ball go. They were hitting space. I was saying, like, no, there's nothing make great sense if you're putting through that. Go for the gap. In other words, go for the space rather than going through the man. Now I go to another training sessions now in Holland. They're saying, no, go through, go through the man. But like, it's much easier to go through the space. But I couldn't believe that the 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 technique that they had. All and now they were fit. They weren't doing any physical stuff. It was the ball, the ball, the ball, and everything flying. Took I took from that like that every session I had. You'd have a hurling ball, no matter what you're doing, you'd have the hurling ball, you know, in your hand. Okay, in the county scene, you'd have to play strike both sides, and, you know, you could do everything with the ball. But that comes from kind of practice, even unknown to yourself, you know. And there was a scrum half there, I think it was called Sid Gooing. And I go have up to see a match, a college match between uh, UCG and UCC that was on the place called Paddy Speaker. <laughs> he couldn't believe, he couldn't believe what was happening at all. It's a very dangerous game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, uh, the, yeah, you, you've taken inspiration from the All Blacks, but no, I like that. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I just during in town, there's loads of seen them, I couldn't, you know, it's great. Oh, fantastic opportunity, yeah. Um, last question, Cyril. Uh, what are your top tips for any developing coaches out there that are listening? Well, I think you have to have, you have to believe in yourself. You have to have a strategy, you have to, have to know what you're about because like if you're not, they'll see they'll see through you very quick, especially senior team now, Stephen, because most of these guys fellas now are going to turn level, nearly, nearly nine out of ten or eight out of ten, and they're all kind of coaches in and they're into new ideas and you know, they're into kind of you know the stats. 
big thing now, like, and uh, they can tell you how much you're running. But I keep saying to them, in my time, there was a lad called, um, what was his name, called a forward for, for a car. Not Charlie McCarthy, you know, O'Leary, Shawnee O'Leary. Now, if you put a tracker on him, it wouldn't register. But when the ball, he'd always say to me, when the ball is wrong, every half hour or 35 minutes around the square, a ball will come in and you can just tap it, if you're there, to tap into the net. He'd get a ball in the point or two goals and two points in every game and he wouldn't move at all. The thing is, like, you have to have instincts as well. It's okay if the lads, trackers are lovely in the stats, but you have to be able to read the game yourself. You know what I mean? But to have your own little policy in it and, like, uh, you know, make make them enjoy it. That, that really, to me, is, is the thing. Like, and you have to keep up with the, with the modern thing as well. Like, the ball now is so light, Stephen, that, you know, if you fly, you know, then into the pitch now, it's got more language. Ball light, the hurl is improving. You know, that like, the lads have lovely short hurls, lovely grips. Everything has kind of improved. So the pace, the pace should be fast. We're actually fast with the, with the possession game. Would you believe the pace is slower? But it's not, but that's the game to play. So you might say go out in the match, well, I'm not going to play a sweeper. But if the opposition plays a sweeper, you wind up playing a sweeper, or not like with your life match. So you have to be ready for these things, you know, unless sometimes someone is going to say, okay, if the team is playing a sweeper, I'm going to mark them. So up on that half the pitch, you know, instead of six and six, you'll have seven and seven. But the point is, in a new half, you're going to have five and five, and the forwards will get a bit of space to like it. But it's all, it'll be very funny someday if someone does it, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. But like it, to, to, lead, to believe in yourself and have your own ideas and not to be afraid to do things like, you know, when you fail, fail doesn't mean you're a failure. But if you know when you're beaten, you know what I mean? To me, like a failure is when you don't try. If you give it everything, if the lead on the pitch can die if you're on the pitch, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. I think it's a, uh, it's a it's a lovely way to finish it. Uh, Sir, listen, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I could speak to for to you for hours around the uh, the stories coming out from from the from the eighties. Um, it's fantastic. It's hideous stories. Oh no, it's great, and I think it's 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 great to hear you talk about um like the things around changing mindset and and the 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 importance of that planning and adapting the style to the players that you had and and not af- not being afraid to try new things as a coach to getting to know your players and. The one thing that the, the biggest thing I'll take out of it today is that um, helping your players to become better people, and I'm sure all the good things that will come with that. So, Cyril, thanks a million for coming on.